Every single Saturday. On these airwaves, my name's Casey Steve. This is Citizen Watch, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. So happy that you're here with me on this Saturday morning, the last Saturday in September. September 28th, 2019. Fall has fallen, my friends. And I'm just trying to get ready. You know how it is. Luna has a staff. Not me. That's right. I have to do everything myself. And he, he moves the equipment. He moves the equipment just before he leaves. A level of difficulty here. Anyway, so happy to be with you. As I said, on this fall Saturday, hopefully you're out there taking care of those issues. Still hanging over from summer. Maybe last fall. Who knows? <laughs> Boy, this yard work, isn't it? What a chore. Stuff grows. You put water on it. But uh, it's going to end soon. I think the irrigation season is going to go for uh, another month, October. Uh, they've got lots of water to sell, MID. I hope they certainly have it next year to sell up there in our beautiful reservoir. They've had some great pictures in the Merced County Times celebrating the Merced Centennial of the Irrigation District, just 100 years old, which is a long time. Anyway, uh, kind of interesting, some of the old pictures, building the dams and Exchequer, all that. I had a really neat series in this week's Merced County Times of what it used to look like with the railroad, the Yosemite Valley Railroad going up there through the canyon along the Merced River. I've often spoke. That would be so neat if that was still around. Have a little dinner train out of Merced up to El Portal, 74 miles of heaven. Anyway, it's gone. The right-of-way is still there. You can kind of see it along 59 going out to the dump, other places. Excuse me, the landfill. But uh, anyway, really interesting pictures of the progress that irrigation has brought to the valley. I love Modesto. You know, Modesto got the, uh, they, they got the slogan. I mean, we have Gateway to Yosemite, but that water, wealth, contentment, health, doesn't it just say it all so succinctly? Because with those, uh, well, with the first one, you get wealth, and with wealth, you get contentment. And, well, when you're content, you're healthy. So it's a... Uh, it's a nice thing. It's uh, unfortunate to see the attacks here in California by the administration, the uh, Democratic-led administration up there in Sacramento against our water rights. I love how when they say these voluntary agreements that we're entering into with the irrigation districts, yeah, with a gun to their head, you don't enter into a voluntary agreement. Well, it's kind of like a plea bargain. You know, you want to go to prison for life or uh, do you just want to get 20 years in the hole? So I, I really resent uh, some of the things going on at the state level. I do have to give Governor Newsom credit for vetoing, finally, officially, SB1. This was the bill brought by Senator Atkins up there in Sacramento wanting to roll back any environmental decisions coming out of the feds starting uh, November 2017 or whenever the president was inaugurated, January 2017. I forget what it was. Just craziness, you know. We're just gonna, you know, ba 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 ba. We're not gonna listen, you know. Ba 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 ba. I don't want to hear. Ah, these these folks are unhinged. If you haven't been able to tell what's going on on the national scene, I mean, it's just it's just funny. Oh, Pelosi, Chihuahua. You see the strings coming out of that marionette being uh, manipulated by other people within the party, outside the party. It's just the Democrats have really come unhinged. Here in California, they've been that way for some time. And I spoke in the first hour, the 6 o'clock hour, where I played the president's speech to the United Nations General Assembly last Tuesday. Uh, we do have some Democrats here in 
the area, one that I can think of, Adam Gray, blue dog Democrat, but he's still a Democrat, folks. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Very supportive of some of his positions. His editorials lately on water have been spot on and about how uh, myopic and ludicrous some of the rules coming out of, of uh, the state, the Senate, the Assembly, uh, these different uh, regulatory bodies, the water board, are not flexible, don't give uh, irrigation districts, the end users, the flexibility they need in the wet years. And again, if we're going to preclude any kind of determinations for the last two and a half years to help us, which we just saw some wetlands regulations, uh, what's considered a waterway of America, where those regulations appear on the federal uh, side of things, and again, met with derision and skepticism by the uh, by the local authorities here in California, not even listening to any kind of reason or compromise. Again, it's it's foolish to think when they say voluntary agreement, basically do what we say is what they're saying. And we've yet to see if that will come uh, to a conclusion, these voluntary agreements with three irrigation districts, actually more than that, but the Merced, Madera, or excuse me, Merced, Modesto, and Stanislaus Irrigation District, Many others, some have entered into voluntary agreements, but the unrestricted flows are really going to be, that's the devil in the details. There's going to be farmland that will have to be fallowed, taken out of production, in other words, because there's just not going to be the water there. And as I talked about again in the 6 o'clock hour, Sigma, Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, is coming down the pipe, 2020. It's on the horizon. A few short days away. You know, I kind of <laughs> couldn't figure out when Christmas is. 85 days, basically. Not that far away, I tell you. It's really sneaking up on us here. End of the year is coming up. We were really, uh, you know, knock on wood, blessed with a uh, a low fire season this year. Hopefully uh, that will continue because, as you know, there's some pressures out there at Castle Air Force Base. If you read between the lines in some of these interviews uh, about the uh, viability, the sustainability, the longevity of the fire base that's out there at Castle. And as you know, that base is responsible if something, you know, crashes, falls out of the sky. Uh, they respond to those incidents as well. If that goes away, I, I don't know what uh, the future of aviation holds at, uh, what is it, the Mid-California International Trade District, Castle Commerce Center, Castle Air Force Base. I don't know what we're calling it now. But uh, the 25-year experiment out there that we're still working on, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Lloyd Pereira made a comment. Supervisor, Chairman of the Board, Board of Supervisors, Lloyd Pereira, made a comment at the end of the uh, one of the discussions, uh, their last meeting, I think it was on the 17th, uh, referencing, uh, you know, the decision hasn't been made as far as I know. You know, those consent items, you got <laughs> to really watch those. They, they slip a lot in there, you know, item one through 3,000. Uh, any, anybody want to pull anything? No. Maybe the wool over the voters. No, they just, you know, they, they pass a lot on consent. You know, kind of pre uh, predisposed, predetermined. Every once in a while, they'll pull something and have a little discussion, or the public. And of course, they always can pull pull an item for talking. But this fire fire base has kind of a, a couple of folks uh, wound up about that. Anyway, uh, the fire season this year was uh, not as bad as in years past. We're still we don't need that. Boy, you talk about PTSD. Anytime you smell smoke, you see something going on. Especially after going through the last two three years, the Detweiler fire, the Fires we had up at Paradise. I mean, what a what an oxymoron that turned out to be. Still recovering from that. Of course, the utility 
Really, you know, what really gets me is when the utility, PG&E specifically, turns off the power in anticipation of something happening. Because, again, the liability uh, is pretty bad. Now, I, you know, <laughs> my, my theory is it should, you know, whatever power lines, blah, 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 that should be able to work like all the time, kind of like an all-weather thing. I mean, this isn't some third-world country where we got, you know, running water for four hours a day and, you know, the electricity comes on between 2 and 2.15. And I mean, what what is this? It forces people who live up in the hills and the foothills and the mountains, these mountain communities, to be basically without any electricity, you know, to be forced to have some sort of generator, some sort of standby source, you know, really good refrigerator. You know, don't open the door, honey. We don't want the pork chops to melt. I've never seen anything like this, and it's only been recently Again, to me, the measure of a modern society, a, a, a first world country, is reliable power all the time. Not when the weather gets hot, there might be a little, you know, a Santa Ana. You know, you guys either need to clean your lines or, or something. But I, I, I feel the, uh, the fear of litigation, the liability that the utility has been saddled with. And again, in some cases, their own fault. You know, the pipelines corrode, you know, blow up and hurt a bunch of people. Well, that's not good. You know, they should be responsible for their own utilities, their own right-of-ways, and they are. You see them here in Merced going along all the gas right-of-ways. If you haven't noticed, it's an ongoing project, millions and millions of dollars, removing trees and obstacles, things that, you know, maybe in the past were okie-dokie, but not now. They have to be retrofitted uh, and made clear so those pipes don't get hurt, don't get damaged. Well, the same for the electrical lines. You know, the voltage up there, depending on the line, hundreds of thousands of volts. It'll get you no matter when and can start a fire no matter what time of day or season. Obviously, if it's raining, you know, again, personal injury, you know, electrocution, that's no fun. I, I just don't understand this, turning the power off. I hope we get out of that. It reminds me a lot years ago, some of you were too young, when power was deregulated and anybody could sell power into the, the grid, into the exchange. Uh, Enron, remember those folks, some of the bad players out there, and they were really jacking up the rates, and they would have these uh, brownouts, blackouts, because of, quote, lack of generation, which was anything but. It was all a artificially created shortage because these folks wanted to sell power at a higher rate when there was a bigger need. Anyway, they would uh, have these roving blackouts. You'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, the electricity would go out in the middle of the day, you know, because it was your turn in the bag. It just... <laughs> Made no sense. We had the generation capacity all the time. It was kind of a red herring, but I don't, I don't know. Power and the cost of it, don't even get me into that. Price per kilowatt hour is just going up and up and up. Solar is not the answer, my friends. It's, you know, the basic rule, law of conservation, energy is neither created nor destroyed, but it merely changes form. And if you can get your head around that, some of you greenies, you lean into the wind, liberal progressives, Socialists, if you could get your head around that, you'd realize that the the most efficient use of energy is what we should be striving for. That that conversion and nuclear is really one of the cleanest form of energy next to well, actually hydro. I think beats nu nuclear. And uh, hydro, as we saw again in some of the editorials by Adam Gray, our blue dog Democrat, is not considered. Renewable energy. And the reason why is we want to create an artificial market for solar and wind. Alternative forms of green energy. Let me get <laughs> All energy is green, my friends. Like Kermit the Frog said, it's not easy being green. 
And money is green, and it just depends on how much you want to spend. And when we're getting up 30, 40, 50 cents per kilowatt hour, I mean, we're paying what Atwater's paying for their solar panel, and it's crazy. It's crazy. MID has some very good rates out there. Competition is the way to go. But the regulation is what's forcing these utilities to pass these costs on to you, the consumer. Unless you have nothing, then they'll give you free this, free that, lifeline this, blah, blah, blah. It's unbelievable what the cost of freight is now. You look at your utility bill, and the print is so small because they have all these additional charges. But cheap power, I just don't get it. Solar, we talked a little bit, Karen Adams, the tax collector here in town, in the county, uh, supposed to come on the show later in the year. Don't forget, Karen. And talk about some of the things she's forced to do. Uh, from the uh, revenue collecting side, collecting your taxes, which, by the way, <laughs> first payment's coming up, 1210, by the way. Uh, I'm sure the bills are coming out. They just approved the, the fees, the rates this year. But anyway, she's talked about actually going to be foreclosing, foreclosing, taking people's homes away because they are unable to pay for the solar panels on their roof, pay the freight. And the solar companies have got it uh, leveraged worked into the regulations where they're first in line and get a pretty healthy percentage. I thought it was 8 or 9%. I think Karen was telling me it was 18%. I mean, it's like, that's usury. That's almost credit card rates. Again, uh, she doesn't think that's fair. She doesn't think she should be put in that position to collect for a third party. And I have to agree. I think that definitely in the private sector. But it just shows how these things have insidiously uh, crept in. Uh, to the public utilities, to to our everyday bills, to the way to our way of life, to the point that the power is cut off in the middle of the day. If there's a Santa Ana, which is just to be nuts. Oh, we're out of the first segment. So many things happening in the news. I want to thank my guest from the 14th of September. Seems like a long time ago, but it wasn't. Our own sheriff Vern Warnke. What a great guy. Great interview, two and a half hours. I replayed it last weekend. I appreciate everybody uh, being patient. He made my life easy, I'll tell you. What a great interview. I think more people listened last weekend than the first weekend. I got more comments out around town over at Granny's Pantry. Yeah, what a place that is. Listen, we'll be back. Another segment, another two segments this half hour, and then that bonus half hour. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Citizen Watch Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll be right back. on Saturday morning, last Saturday in September, September 28, 2019. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley, Citizen Watch on Merced's News Talk. 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS, K Yosemite, that's right. Gateway, the gateway, baby, to Yosemite. Such a wonderful thing up there. The park, beautiful any time of year. The most deadliest park in the national park system, which, uh... You know, a few years ago, it was only appropriate because we were the most deadliest county <laughs> in California. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, beautiful. Beautiful nonetheless up there in Yosemite. If you haven't, I, they were showing some picture on the news the other day of the of the waterfall, you know, the iconic waterfall there that comes off 
one of the iconic waterfalls. And uh, just a trickle, but uh, better than previous years when there was nothing. I remember one year they went up there for the snow melt or the snow, uh, you know, where they bashed the pole into the ground. There was, it was grass, man. There was nothing. That was when brown, you know, global warming. Of course, the last couple of years, it's climate change, whatever it is. It's been a little bit different, a little bit better. Everybody says it's going to be a wet winter this one. I, I hope it is. That rained a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Gave us kind of a preview of what things are like. You talk about slipping and sliding. Lots of oil out there on the streets. Don't forget when those first rains do come or somebody's washing their driveway, be careful. Be careful. As I said, fall has, fall has uh, fallen, and Christmas is going to be here soon. Of course, October coming up, kind of the official start of fall. You know, if you haven't been to Playhouse Merced, there's a season ticket, and I do mean one ticket holder. It, uh, it's a lot of fun. Went to see Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat last weekend. Uh, final performance on Sunday, the matinee. Sold out. Which is so good to see. And as you know, all the plays this year are already pre-sponsored by various entities. This one was sponsored by, what, St. Paul's over there on McKee? The uh, school. A lot of kids are, or a lot of parents are sending their kids over there, private school. Of course, the state, they don't like that. <laughs> uh, the state, you know, always has to get their fingers in things. You know, people. there's a reason people send their kids to private school. And uh, one of the reasons is discipline. Of course, the state, as you know, came out with some rules. Very, very hard to suspend youngsters now, K through 8, without, uh, I don't know, they have to commit a column line or something, I think, to get suspended because they don't want them part of the prison pipeline, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, that's a state thing. But uh, it was so good to see at Playhouse Merced the turnout, the, uh, the public support. And if you've never been there, the venue is so intimate. It's very, very nice. A lot of audience participation. It's kind of cool. Uh, very, 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 very nice venue. So, again, one of the one of the neat things are coming up. I was waiting. Uh, <laughs> I thought that play had the uh, song Jesus Christ Superstar, but I realized that's the play, Jesus Christ Superstar. So, expand your literary knowledge as I am by going to Playhouse Merced. I forget what the next play is, but it'll be coming up soon. They have a heck of a season this year. Their fundraiser, I just can't get over that. A fundraiser to end all fundraisers. People should... Uh, emulate that, copy it. I should use smaller words. They should copy that uh, format going forward. I'll tell you, Courthouse Park, I don't know what they charge to rent that venue, but uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful venue. That was a beautiful night. Coming up Monday, if you're bored, if you don't have anything to do, like me, you'll be at the Merced City Council Chambers at 6 o'clock. On the second floor up there at the Civic Center at 678 West 18th Street, where all the construction is. You know, they got all the roads closed there. That's what a city on the rise looks like. <laughs> construction barricades. Boy, you talk about slow. I hope they're not getting paid by the minute over there because it's taking a long time. Anyway, uh, what they're going to talk about, the study, they're going to have a study session. Special meeting on the police headquarters slash fire facility. A lot of talk has been on... The police portion of this, the fire facility, they kind of know where they want to put the fire stations. You know, one's supposed to be built out there in Bellevue. Now that the houses are kind of getting built up, uh, that would be nice for those folks. Because I think the closest one, boy, I think it's over on Parsons. Could be mistaken. I know they're few and far between. And, of course, the staffing. Well, let's not get into that. But as far as the facilities themselves, now there's been talk uh, among the council members, this group. Uh, maybe, you know, dual-purpose facilities. 
And you see that a lot in the bigger city, uh, bigger cities where police and fire combine under one roof, kind of a public service. Heck, you even see uh, city hall the whole the whole nine yards in some of the smaller cities. Kind of keep everybody under uh, you know one one eyeball there, but. Uh, Police and fire facilities, just a natural to go together. First responders, they usually roll together. One's there first. Hopefully paramedics before police, because who wants to? Uh, anyway, only paramedics. God, what a job, man. I'll tell you. Interesting things about paramedics as far as uh, getting our firefighters additional training or actually allowing them to use the training they have in a lot of cases to save lives. We'll talk about that a little bit. But anyway, this study session, Monday, 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because nobody has any idea after spending $200,000 on consultants over the last, I don't know, two years, three years, they've bought, uh, well, two different pieces of property with the idea that it's going to be the main police station. The first one was over there across from Raley's, the old mansionette facility that many people call it. And now Children's Hospital, uh, at least they got a plan. They bought it from us. I think we made a little bit of money on that. Of course, then we bought the old Sunstar building. Always wanting to get into real estate. I think we should stay out of real estate, quite frankly. It hasn't worked that good for the county. And the city hasn't been uh, as fortuitous either. Anyway, uh, they bought the Sunstar building with the thought, man, it's look at how big that is. It's all made of concrete. looks like a mausoleum. That's got to be good for a police station. Wrong. No. I think it was built back in the 70s. And would not pass muster probably even 10 years ago, let alone today. These things have to be bulletproof. We're talking about $750 per square foot, whatever we build. And it's only going up. And, and the sad thing is the council, you talk about a, a weather vane with no arrow, a rudderless ship. As far as where we're even going to put this now, because they turned out the Sunstar, hmm, it's a teardown. And then when you come out of there, what, do you just bolt across G Street and uh, the hell with the traffic? You know, have some sort of big wide median there? I don't know. It wasn't really well planned out, as, planned out as far as traffic flow, circulation. And then, you know, it's surrounded by apartments, res, uh, commercial. You can't have a, a range or any kind of really outdoor thing. You can't have some. It's pretty good parking. But is it really going to meet the needs of the police now, the fire, and, and unfortunately, they really haven't included fire that heavily in these discussions. They kind of think, well, fire station's a fire station, but it's not. So consultants have been hired in the past, and uh, now I guess we're going to get serious. Mayor Murphy, he wanted to have a little more uh, input while he's still with us. Have you heard? I don't think it's a rumor anymore. It's not a secret. Uh, the mayor, Mayor Murphy's thinking about running for, uh, for Jim Costa's seat, against Jim Costa, for congressman which uh, is interesting. It's a, a jungle primary, as you know, in March. Top two vote-getters, doesn't matter, party affiliation. I believe Mayor Murphy is uh, independent. I believe, do not, or decline to state, I, I'm not sure. There's a couple of different uh, categories there. You know, there's you know, R and D, and uh, then there's decline to state and uh, independent. I'm not quite sure what Mayor Murphy is, but uh, the rumor is, and it's pretty well confirmed, that uh, he will be running against Jim Costa. As you know, he's termed out after this term, just uh, came off of a successful charter review committee, whether or not that'll pass muster with the voters we have yet to see. But uh, he's looking forward uh, to a future office. Anyway, uh, before he leaves, hopefully he'll get this police station 
situation kind of lined up, at least a direction, how much it's going to cost, how are we going to pay for it? Are we talking another public safety tax? Believe me, Measure C isn't going to cover it. Measure C, we we <laughs> we got we got issues there, folks. We have thirty some police fire on Measure C. We need to, you know, the idea, Mayor Murphy's idea when he came into office as mayor was to wean us off of Measure C uh, personnel one or two at a time. It hasn't hasn't quite worked out that way. Uh, Atwater's facing the same situation. They've had some discussion in there. Council meetings about extending that tax, which uh, taxes aren't real popular on that board as, as really any board when it comes right down to it. But anyway, this study session, really going to be interesting, really going to be something that uh, you're going to want to see. It's going to be in Hmong, Spanish, the whole nine yards for those folks that want to come. Uh, what, there's something. Oh, it's going to be, it says council meetings are streamed live on Facebook. I don't know. If, if this will be, so you probably want to be there. The study session will allow council to give direction on the headquarters and facility, including, but not limited to size, configuration, funding requirements, and financing structure. In other words, how are you, <laughs> taxpayer, going to pay for that? I don't know. But uh, I can tell you it's not, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's a, it's a big bite. And we need a couple of different fire stations. Also, at one point, as you remember, they were talking about a corporation yard you know, a new place to fix the uh, vehicles, the trucks, our existing facility over there on uh, Grogan, or that's not Wardrobe, I think it's Grogan Avenue. Just really, really outdated. Really, really, really uh, tight. Matter of fact, that's one of the uh, things they, uh, the reasons they bought the old Boulders Unlimited. I called it Murphy's Dump, Mayor's Dump. I guess that really wasn't fair. It wasn't just the mayor, it was the whole city council that wanted to open that dump. Over there in Councilman Serrato's district, I believe it's Serrato's district, over there on Yosemite and Highway 59, the old Boulders Unlimited, that little bottleneck over there. You know, you can't really get a good run up Yosemite up to Highway 59 there. And then when you get to 59, it goes back down to uh, one or two lanes because it intersects with a highway. That's why they call it Highway 59. Caltrans has to get involved eventually. There's going to be some big work on there someday. They're doing a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Really minor grading when you look at it over there at the intersection of Olive and Highway 59. But I don't think that's really going to solve the problems over there until they get that four lanes all the way through those those little bottleneck bridges over there. My gosh, certainly don't want to ride a bike. But anyway, the uh, dump, what do they call it? The City of Merced bulky item drop-off site. Now, you folks that are a little dis... You know, the, the relationship's not going well. That's not what this is for. No, this is this is uh, those big trash items. I should clarify again. Inanimate objects. <laughs> Let me be clear. The new bulky item drop-off site will help residents throughout the year with some of their trash problems. Not to replace the annual spring cleanup. Don't, don't get worried. That old couch, the grungy mattress, the broken fridge, or old washer and dryer are perfect candidates for the site. The site will also take e-waste. Uh, this isn't for all household waste, cautions City of Merced Recycling Coordinator Monique Agama. This is only for those bulky items that won't fit in your household container or in the alley or in the back of your pickup on that late night run. Unlike spring cleanup where you can bring all kinds of trash. That trash, the usual household garbage, the recycling and the leaves, the grass clippings, tree branches, and other green waste still needs to go into the regular containers at a resident's house. But here's the dirty little secret, folks. They're going to take that green waste and they're going to take it over here to this this dump, this transfer station, spread it out, let it dry out. But it's not going to smell. 
Don't worry. You people that live across the street in those two-story homes, you can't see anything, can you? They put that nice, uh, you know, shading on the fence, on the chain link. You know, they put the little plastic slats in there, give you that, give you that uh, uh, image of uh, that illusion of privacy. Anyway, that's what they're going to do with some of the greenways because they need to dry it out. The more, you know, they charge you by the, uh, by the ounce over there, so why, why dump water? The bulky item drop off site. Oh, here's something else I should have mentioned. Household hazardous waste is another item not accepted at the drop-off site, but can still be taken to the landfill. Now, why you can't take everything to the landfill is beyond me. You know, why they just didn't give free tipping uh, rights uh, to Merced City residents. You know, just make a right there at Yosemite and Highway 59 once you get through the intersection and go about two miles and dump it where it's eventually going to end up anyway. But this was, uh, I don't know, this was a little more than just drop-off. This was, you know, they want to change the oil in some of the smaller trucks over there. They've got a, they've got a, uh, I don't know, a little garage over there, some of the fleet maintenance. But, uh, and then that area over there, Loughborough, along that Ferrens Creek, really a, really a horrible area for trash. As well as the transients. I, I couldn't believe the camp I saw over there when I was going down 59 past that new construction on Olive. Boy, they are really, uh, really got quite the... Looks like Modesto over there along uh, Black Rascal Creek. But anyway, I digress. Hey, oh, here we go. You believe second segment's over already? I just rattle on. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do. Here on Citizen Watch on Saturday morning, my name is Casey C., the voice of your valley. 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. Third and final segment, Saturday morning, Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steve, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM. 1480 AM. KYOS. The last Saturday in September. You believe it. Coming up into October, the leaves will be falling, returning the colors. Oh, it'll be so wonderful. So wonderful. Time of year. Of course, the harvest is going on. All things good. Over there in Atwater today, uh, a new dispensary. The first, I, I think it's the first in the county. Atwater on the cutting edge. All the uh, clocks over there are set to 420. <laughs> because they are leading the way in cannabis. The cannabis culture. That's right. Mayor Creighton. All begins with a C. Anyway, uh, they're over there today. The uh, What's this? Medallion. The Medallion Wellness Center. Because if you're not well, well, they've got something over there to help you out. I imagine Granny's is going to be doing a bang-up business. Uh, they ought to have a little special with them. You know, bring in a receipt and get, a, get that Eggs Benedict because you'll really be hungry. I don't know. Anyway, Medallion Wellness is opening up. They, they have an ad running on our station. It's kind of weird when I had Vern in here. Uh, <laughs> you know, you go from the Vern Warren kit, we'll be right back. And uh, he has some pretty, uh, what do I want to say? Opinions, pretty strong opinions on this, this whole uh, 420 industry, the medicinal, the medical, the recreational. As you know, the county uh, has a moratorium. Any kind of dispensary, outdoor growing even, can't even have it outdoors. Finally, uh, they got over the hemp hurdle. 
I loved in my interview when I uh, I made the comment to her. Well, it's benign, benign. <laughs> Corn's benign. Wheat's benign. Cotton's benign. Oh, it was just it was a great clip. I'm actually going to use that in a promo. That Darren McDaniel one. That's a that's an oldie but a goodie. But I think people are getting tired of hearing it. Anyway, Medallion Wellness. That's right. Sponsor here on uh, the station. I won't say the show. <laughs> anyway, that should be interesting. Should be fun. I don't know. I don't know. One of uh, 15 businesses over there in Atwater, it was kind of interesting, the uh, city council meeting a couple of meetings ago, and Cindy Vieira was there. She had uh, requested from city staff, because every time they come before them, you know, they change the name, not change it intentionally, but, you know, it's an LLC, uh, you know, what the name of the business is as opposed to who owns it. They were getting a little confused. You know, they keep approving everything over there. They're like, hey, how many of these have we approved? Turns out it was 15. 15 businesses over there in the city of Atwater for a town of 30,000. That's like, uh, what, one for every two people? Or, I don't know, my MCOE math, 2,000, every 2,000 people? Here in Merced, beautiful city of mercy and marijuana, we're supposed to uh, have five, five uh, of these uh, dispensaries, recreation, kind of like the bounce house over there, <laughs> trampoline pit. Anyway, it's going to be recreational, and I don't know when they're going to open. So this guy up in Dalian, I'm sure he's going to capture all the business between Fresno and Modesto. Over there, freeway close, right off of uh, Highway 99, the Applegate Road exit. They took out full-page ads, color ads, mind you, in the paper, in the Merced Sun Star. I've only seen Hostetler do that when the bridge closes on 59 to Los, and he can't get to Los Banas. Then I see a full-page ad, ad in the Sun Star. But uh, there's lots of money in nuts and evidently in, in uh, weed, too. Speaking of nuts... Uh, Nicola Adams is having her uh, nut festival. I don't know when it is. It's kind of interesting. She's been making the rounds to all of the uh, entities, the boards of supervisors, the council chambers, uh, asking for money. I, I guess she doesn't have her ducks in a row on this thing yet, but it's all about damn nuts. I, I, I don't know why we're using the grammatically incorrect English, but maybe that. And then why are we leaving out pecans? I don't get it. It's in the farm report. Are we... Are we uh, prejudiced against pecans? We don't like pecans. Is there something about the pecan that uh, should be included? And I thought I thought this was inclusive of everything, but I I may be wrong. Interesting comments from Nicola Adams on some other issues that we're going to talk about in future shows. Things I didn't even know about here in Merced County. She's very big in education, as you know. A realtor works for over there at Ganella Realty for Lauren. And uh, she was the Grand Marshal at the uh, Martin Luther King Memorial uh, Celebration Parade this year. It's a very interesting comment about uh, the makeup, the complexion, if you will, of the city, the school. I didn't know we had a black parallel school board in addition to the regular school board. But anyway, some interesting things going on there. This nut festival, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go, but we shall see. He said it's going to be the biggest thing in Mercedes. It's going to be equal to the Gilroy Garlic Festival in five years. That's a pretty big bite. A pretty big bite. But, hey, anything's possible when you dream. I wanted to continue about the uh, new dump over there. What do they call this place? Not a dump. <laughs> I think it's a dump. The recycle waste facility over there off of uh, Yosemite and... And Highway 59, City of Merced, bulky item, bulky, instead of bulk, bulky, bulky item drop-off site. Boy, whoever, <laughs> who approves these signs? Who approves these signs? Anyway, I had a little press release from uh, Conway over there, Mike Conway. God, what is he now? 
Let's see. Mike Conley, senior management analyst. I'd like to have the money they've spent on business cards for this cat over the years. Probably probably uh, would finance a, a department head or something. Okay, here we go. In addition to being used for dropping off trash, the city's public works department is using this site for its street sweeping program and for light maintenance on some of its street equipment, as I told you. They're very uh, crowded over there at the, the corporate yard. The land has been... The former's Bolter's Unlimited site. The department saw the property, uh, property as an opportunity to accomplish several goals. Quote, we have a lot of illegal dumping in town, and we hope that people will use this as a place to legally get rid of some of their bulky items, said Public Works Director Ken Elwin. Well, that's why they call it illegal dumping, because they don't... <laughs> if, they, if they took the time to put it in their truck or got somebody with a pickup or whatever, broke it down where it would fit in a dumpster, then it wouldn't be illegal dumping. But they hope by having this place way on the outskirts of town, which, you know, it's out there, folks. If you can't, if you can't make it to the back alley, what, what do you, how do you think you're going to make it over there? Anyway, Ken goes on. As we wanted to provide the additional service to our customers since spring cleanup is only once a year. That's why we call it spring cleanup. Otherwise, we'd call it spring, winter, fall, and summer cleanup, right? So, yeah, the spring cleanup. You remember the old days? The old days, it was really wild. Man, if we had the transient problems, the bums, the homeless, the vagrants, the thieves, the drug addicts that we have now roaming our streets of Merced, when we had the old spring cleanup, when everybody hauled whatever crap they could haul out of their garage and yard and put it in front of their house on the street. I mean, there was barely room to park for three or four weeks, let alone navigate down the street past these piles of crap. And then you'd get folks that would go through and, you know, they'd cherry pick a few things before the, the big claw of destruction or the or skip load or whatever they would use, the dump trucks from the city. But it was amazing. It was amazing what people would throw away. Can you imagine now uh, these uh, what it, recyclers, uh, you know, re- repurposers, whatever they want to call themselves with the, you know, the bum bikes, the, you know, the blacked out, the, the baby carrier with all the tools, you know, the cutting torch. Can you imagine the fun they'd have? Oh, my word. My word. Anyway, spring cleanup, don't worry. That's still once a year, but you got to drag everything over to the high school or the college or whatever parking lot they take over for a weekend. We also had needs in our department, and there was a space on the property so we could handle the street sweeping and light maintenance. Now, this is where I'm telling you that once they get the street sweepers there, you know, what do you think the street sweepers do? Well, they, they sweep up the, uh, you know, the debris that's in the street. And so they're going to dump it out over there on these big concrete pads they poured, kind of spread it out, let it dry, let it air dry. Of course, that won't smell, according to Ken. I thought that was funny when he said, it will not stink, really? Okay, we shall see. Probably a little can of Lysol, no problem. Uh, Gamma, Gamma, this is uh, Monique Gamma. She's the recycling coordinator. We all, uh, let's see, Gamma said staff analyzed what was being picked up at the illegal dump sites. A lot of it was sofas, chairs, tires, or random things that they couldn't put in their containers at home or they didn't want to take it to the landfill. There's a public works crew that circulates throughout the city picking up materials people are dumping illegally in alleys, at curbs, and in the roads. We're getting pretty good at it, <laughs> which is sad. So many times we're getting there before people call us, but we don't see everything. Of course not. How can you see everything, all the trash that's hauled around by these drug addicts, by these thieves? How can you see it all? It changes every day. It's like a collage, a kaleidoscope of garbage. 
Many of the items will be diverted to other uses, like the e-waste, metals, and the like. Let me tell you, if you pick up one aluminum can out of a recycling container in this town, I'll give you a buck. Because it's gone before uh, the, the truck ever gets there. The things that can't be recycled will be hauled to the landfill. Well, that's where it should go in the first place. If the bulky item drop-off site doesn't solve the residents' refuse problems, Gama said there are other solutions. The landfill is about four miles down the road, and it can handle all of the disposal needs, including hazardous waste. So why not just send them there? I don't know. Simple mind, simple solution. I have a simple mind, folks. The city also has options that include renting dumpsters and roll-offs, depending on the size of the project and how much stuff is a resident will need to haul away. Another option is to order an extra collection for the trash container. Contact the Public Works Department for, for more information on these options. I didn't know they would do that, which is kind of cool. For questions about the site or to talk about trash pickup options. Now, if, you're, if your life is so vapid that you need to talk to somebody about trash pickup auction, options, you can call the Public Works Department at 209-385-6800 or go to the Got Trash tab. Got Trash with a question mark. Boy, that got milk. They should have they should have patented that, right? Under the Public Works Department at cityofmerced.org. So again, kudos. Kudos to the mayor's dump, the trash, recycling. You know, something we got done. City on the rise. Hours of operation. Let me read this here through the fence. Tuesday through Friday, 12 to 3. So that three-hour sweet spot. You know, because again, people that illegally dump, you know, they got time during the middle of the day. <laughs> Uh, first Saturday of the month, 8 to noon. Ooh, Chihuahua. Now, if you can remember the first Saturday of the month, because by the time you're ready to illegally dump, it's the second or third Saturday of the month. But, hey, we're going to give it a shot. We had the dirt. We had the dirt. We had the land. Not much else we could do with it. The residents, I'm sure, will be so happy over there. What else is happening? Hey, you know, we just have a few minutes left, a few seconds left in this segment, actually. And I wanted to mention, coming up uh, next weekend, the 33rd annual Hornitos Patrons Club Flea Market. If you've never been to this thing, folks, it's fun. Good friends and junkin' is <laughs> what they have here. And uh, it is. It's not your typical flea market. You know, a lot of these places now anymore, it's just commercial stuff. Somebody run, you know, brings out. looks like you're at the dollar store. You know, a rack fell over something at the dollar store. But no, there's some really, uh, really good antiques, some really neat, one-of-a-kind stuff you only see up there in the hills. That's next Sunday, October 6th. If it involves dirt roads, flea markets, good friends, and junkin', count me in. Hornitas Park, that's a little park right there across, a uh, little park right across from Manuela's Bar. Been there forever. Bar, if, if you've never been in Manuela's there in the little town of Hornitas, that bar came around the Horn of Africa on a ship and then by wagon from San Francisco to Hornitos. Way back in the day, uh, Mr. Garrett Deli. Ghirardelli chocolate fame, where he got his start in Hornito, selling mining equipment to pursue his real passion, which was making chocolate. And if you've ever had Ghirardelli's chocolate, man, that guy knew how to make chocolate. Starts at 7 a.m. Call 209-382-7062, for space available. Hornitos Patrons Club at gmail.com. Really great event. I go up there. I saw Larry. Morser, DA, XDA, a couple of years ago, buying succulents up there in the mountains. At least that's what he said they were. But uh, they were, they've got everything up there. Really a, a lot of neat stuff. They have this uh, lady that comes out that does the Indian fry breads. The one time of year that kind of uh, relive my Midwest experience. That Indian fry bread, if you've never had it, basically Arizona East. You can get some good fry bread on I-40. 
And I would encourage people to, if you haven't tried it, just go up there. Plus, Hornitos is just a cool, cool place. Lots of things going on up there in Hornitos. Well, it's hard to believe, but we're out of time. In the 8 o'clock hour of Citizen Watch, my name's Casey Steed. Voice of your valley under says News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. So happy to have you here with me every Saturday. I couldn't do it without you. Really want to thank last week and the week before his guest, Fern Warnke, because we replayed his interview. Great, great guest. Great, great guy. And our thoughts and prayers go out to him in his hour of need through all he's going through. We wish him the best. And to my buddy Robert, the Velvet Sledgehammer Tomasetti, to let everybody know he's doing much, much better. There is light on the horizon. And when he gets better, we're going to have him in here. My name's Casey Steen. We'll see you next week on Citizen Watch. Bye-bye.